Guitarathon is the greatest guitar sale on earth, and it's happening now. Get massive savings on a huge selection of electric and acoustic guitars, basses, amps, pedals, and other accessories. Get select Ernie Ball strings, three for ten. Save $100 on a Fender Special Edition Strat, or get a Yamaha acoustic for just $199. Plus, get special financing on select major brands. Don't miss these incredible deals. Available online and in store now through November 1st. Guitarathon, only at Guitar Center. Find your sound. You are Locked On Raptors, your daily Toronto Raptors podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey there, and welcome to episode 67 of Locked On Raptors for Friday, January 20th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley at RaptorsHQ.com and TSN Radio in Toronto. You can find me on Twitter, as always, at WoodleySean, and the show is on Twitter as well, at Locked On Raptors, where you can find links to every single show. Locked On Raptors, as you know by now, is part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can find team-specific shows for all 30 NBA teams, as well as Locked On Fantasy with Josh Lloyd and Locked On NBA with David Locke, all in one place in the Locked On NBA iTunes channel. Big shout-out to Doris Burke for shutting up the network on the broadcast for ESPN earlier in the week. That was a uh, a big moment for the for the network, and we were all pretty excited by that. And uh, hopefully that boosts up the visibility of the of the network, and you can help that as well uh, by going to the Locked On Raptors iTunes page. If you leave a rating or a review, is the easiest way to help out the show, and that also boosts our visibility, helps people recognize and, and come across the show when they might not otherwise find it. So uh, please would really appreciate the feedback there. On today's show, uh, we're going to do some mid- mid-season grades. Um, I kind of want to try to do it a little bit differently than what most people have done. Because, I mean, every podcast, every person who covers the Raptors has done a mid-season grades at this point. Uh, it's not entirely an original concept. Um, so I thought what I would do is, you know, I, I would touch on every player, of course, but kind of rank the tiers of Raptors players and sort of give them grades on over the course of the season uh, in terms of how they performed. Um, you know, I've given sort of grades to all the Raptors players and I've kind of averaged them out to sort of, uh, you know, see where each of these sort of areas and tiers of the Raptors players are at. So what I've done is I've separated into four tiers. I have the stars, that's just Lowry and DeRozan, of course. I have important secondary dudes, that's uh, Jonas Valanciunas, Damari Carroll, and Patrick Patterson. Complimentary pieces, which features, uh, it's the biggest group, it's got Terrence Ross, Corey Joseph, Lucas Noguera, Norm Powell, Jared Sullinger as well. Guys who are obviously important to the team, but aren't quite as crucial um, as, you know, those previous three guys I said there, Val, Junis, Carroll, and Patterson. Those guys, I think, you know, in terms of just their talent and their role in the team are definitely considered more, you know, important secondary guys than these other guys I'm talking about here. And then I have the youth movement. I have uh, Pascal Siakam, Jakob Pertl, Fred Van Vliet, DeLon Wright, and Bruno Caboclo in there. I'm guessing you can guess the grades for DeLon Wright and Bruno Caboclo, um, but we'll get to those at the end of the show. Uh, also talk about Dwayne Casey as well a little bit. Um, so just sort of a, a, a refresher on where the Raptors are at right now. This they played 42 games. We're past this, the halfway point now. Obviously 28 and 14. They uh, I think they're you know, kind of outperforming what people thought. I think people coming into the season. A lot of people thought the Raptors would sort of step back, maybe come closer to 50-ish wins, maybe even fall back behind the Celtics, and obviously that hasn't quite happened. The offense has been absurd this season. The defense has been, I think, as expected, sort of middling, had ups and downs and some tough stretches, and, uh, you know, it's not... 
an, an elite defense by any means. And, you know, if you want to see a team that's, uh, you know, right now they're 16th in defense, that's not going to cut it out if you want to, you know, see the team, you know, go super far in the playoffs or maybe make a finals and squeak in there. Uh, it has to, you know, step up there. And I think we've seen that for the Raptors against the best teams. They've had no problem scoring the ball. They're, they're a ridiculous scoring team. Currently second in offensive rating. The game against the Sixers on Wednesday bumped them back down. They were ahead of the Warriors for a time again. Um, but they're now 0.1 points per 100 possessions behind the Warriors for first in terms of offensive rating. Um, but and that's what we've seen all season against the really good teams. The Raptors have scored pretty easily, except for the San Antonio Spurs game, which was ugly and at the end of a road trip. So not sure how much you can take out of that. But, you know, against you know the Warriors or the Clippers or the Cavs, the Raptors have been able to score at will, essentially. Same with the Rockets as well. And that's been an encouraging sign. It's just the defense in the games they've lost to those teams. I think they've only beaten the uh, the, the, the Rockets out of those teams. Um, you know, those have been tough. They haven't been able to... Uh, you know, lock in at important times in the game while their opponents have been able to. And, and you know, the 16th def- defense in the league, while it's not bad when you have such a, you know, historically good offense, that's not going to cut it out when you get in deep into the playoffs against tougher competition. So that's something to keep an eye on for sure. Um, but let's sort of dive into these rankings here. Uh, you know, the, the Raptors are really good and it's led by Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan voted as an all-star starter yesterday, and I guess we can touch on this first before I get to the grades. Um, you know, it's congratulations to DeMar DeRozan, first of all. Uh, you know, this is kind of, you know, the ultimate Raptors thing, I think, where, uh, you know, Raptors fan thing, where, you know, the Raptors get recognized, get the recognitions that Raptors fans are always looking for, uh, in the form of an all-star starter, and then, you know, proceed to complain that it's the wrong guy who's starting. And, you know, I don't agree with the decision for, for I mean, it's not a decision, it was the voting, and that's how it works, but I don't agree with how the voting finished, uh, with DeMar DeRozan being a starter ahead of Kyle Lowry. I think anybody who watches the Raptors in depth, really can tell that Kyle Lowry, despite having, you know, lesser scoring numbers, um, is just so far a superior player to DeMar DeRozan in all facets of the game. Defense, three-point shooting, um, just everything aside from scoring, essentially, in a high volume. He he just, he, he, he outpaces DeMar DeRozan, and that's not a slight against DeRozan. DeRozan's had an awesome season. He's definitely a deserving all-star. He would have been sort of my fourth or fifth guard, I think, in the Eastern Conference if I was ranking them, um, as I sort of went over when I picked my all-star starters earlier in the week. But Lowry has been the best guard in the Eastern Conference this season. He's been, you know, probably a top 10 player in the league this year, again, after last year, where he finished 10th in MVP voting. I would not be shocked if he got some votes again this season, just the way he's played and sort of improved on what a lot of people thought was going to be a career season last year. He's been awesome. He has just been a joy to watch. His three-point shooting is ridiculous. His his pull-ups, his uh, his just sort of the balls that he's showing in a lot of these threes. He's, he's shooting from a lot deeper as well. Um, he just he doesn't seem to care, and he seems to be totally confident in his shot right now. And there's reason for him to be. He's been. Uh, you know, one of the most electrifying point guards in the league this year. You know, obviously tough competition out west with James Harden and uh, Steph Curry and Russell Westbrook, who let's not get started on that starting controversy. But um, I think Lowry has definitely been in that tier this season, maybe just below that tier this year, probably right, you know, right in it, though. I think he's been on the whole probably more effective than Curry has been this year, which is incredible to say, but he's been uh, just tearing it up and he should be the all-star starter that's fine he's going to get in no matter what i think i think the coaches will definitely put him in i can't see how he did, how he gets left off the the all-star team so i wouldn't worry if you're a raptors fan about lowry not making it and congratulations to demar Rosen with the amount of work he's put in it's really great to see him get honored like this it's, it's great and it's cool that his peers voted for him it's, it, all, all facets of the 
of the voting um, sort of electorate voted for him, right? It was the fans, they had him third, the players and the media had him second. It's a great honor for him. And, uh, you know, it's not to take anything away from him to say that Kyle Lowry is probably more deserving. Um, but I definitely think he was. And, uh, again, Lowry will get in. And let's get into the grades here. Uh, Lowry and DeRozan are the stars of this team. And I, you have to give them sort of as a collection of guys, I think, an A on how, how this season has gone. It's inching towards an A+. Plus. They've been the motor of this team, I think. And, you know, everything goes through those two. Um, when, when Lowry's on, he, the team is virtually unstoppable. He, his three-point shooting just lifts the Raptors to another new, new heights. Um, and just when he's, when he has these games where he just, he just locks in, he, he decides he's not going to lose it. There's just nothing to do. Kyle Lowry is incredible. And, uh, when he gets into Kyle Lowry FU mode, you know, other teams are, are terrified for good reason. Ask the Utah Jazz if they think Kyle Lowry should be an all-star starter. I think they would tell you that he definitely should be. I mean, the dude's shooting 43% on pull-up threes this season. I, that's like dwarfing what Steph Curry does. And that's like where Steph Curry became what Steph Curry is now. Um, he's just, everything that he's done has been awesome. He's, he's bailed out the Raptors, you know, late in shot clocks and, and just, I don't know. He's been everything that you could imagine that, or everything you could hope from Kyle Lowry this year. Um, and, uh, yeah, so he gets an A plus for sure. I think his defense has been great. There have been games where, you know, he shut down James Harden a little bit. I mean, James Harden, I think in the first game the Raptors played, I think that he had a triple double, but, um, or it might have been a triple double with turnovers, but either way, like he had a really big game and Kyle Lowry made things difficult form at least and it was you know there were a couple possessions in that game and just over the course of the season where he just is kind of the free safety for the Raptors where he can kind of roam around he can get sort of mixed up into everything he can poke a ball free here jump a passing lane there um, sort of come over and help and be just a, a dependable defender all over the place just to you know give extra you know help and you know support for it for the rest of the team He's fantastic on both ends of the floor. Maybe his defense has kind of slumped a little bit here lately because the Raptors have had a lot of issues, you know, containing penetration. That's not been an easy thing for them to do so far this year. But, um, you know, I think Lowry on the whole has been a fantastic defensive player. He is sort of top five in all the big uh, categories that you look at in terms of advanced metrics. He's top five in value over replacement players, win shares per 48. Um, just all these numbers. He's, you know, he, he's right near the top of the league. His true shooting percentage is absurd. He's at 64.2% this year, which is right around, you know, Kevin Durant and a bunch of big men for the top spot in the league. He is just what he's doing at his size for sort of his skill set, being a perimeter oriented guard to be shooting that well doesn't make a lot of sense. It kind of defies logic. And so, yeah, Lowry gets an A. Uh, an A plus for sure. I think DeMar DeRozan gets an A. He's been, uh, obviously scoring the ball at a historic pace in terms of Raptors players before. Um, what he's done this year has been incredible. He's taken such a leap and a leap that I didn't think he really had in him. You know, he's been on the boards a lot too. It's not something he's always been that great at, but he's been on the boards. He, uh, his, his playmaking has been much improved, I think. His sort of assist numbers have dropped a little bit over the last month or so. But I think it's sort of a pendulum swinging the other way because he started the season, he had nine games games where he scored 30 or more points of course uh you know a fantastic start there and then you know defenses really started to pay extra attention to him they were sending traps at him and what he was doing there working out of those traps and you know setting up his teammates and getting assists and piling up six seven eight assists in a game that obviously you know sent a message to defenses that hey maybe the best way to try to guard him is to just go a one-on-one against him and not send extra help and you know try to force him into mistakes but you know he's he's proven that he can work with any sort of defensive attention and that gives you hope for the playoffs 
right? That's sort of a thing that, you know, his free throw rate obviously is still high, and that's something he depends on. It's actually career-high free throw attempts per game for him this year at 8.8, and that's still a big part of his repertoire, but at the same time, he's still scoring a bunch um, in different ways. He's not d- depending on the free throws for all of his, you know, efficiency anymore. You know, he's shooting a career high 47%, at least a career best since his rookie year where he didn't play a whole bunch and uh, only averaged 8.6 points a game and six and a half field goals a game. This season, he's averaging 21 and a half field goals a game. And that's, you know, four higher than his career average. And the fact that he's upped his efficiency with, you know, such a, you know, an expanded offensive role and an offensive usage rate is just incredible. And it, it, People sort of, you know, look at DeRozan and they have issues with his defense and his lack of a three-point shot. And those are obviously, you know, highly coveted skills in today's NBA. But people still don't seem to appreciate, I don't think. And maybe that's where we see the fans and the media and the players, you know, voting him highly. Maybe those are the people who appreciate it more, I guess. Maybe, I don't know, but appreciating the ability to score with the usage that he has is, it's not easy. He's at 34.6% usage rate right now, which, you know, blows away all the guards he's been in conversation with, with for the All-Star game. All, you know, the sort of top six guards in the Eastern Conference, he's blowing that away. It's a career high for him as well. And, and to be putting up a career, career high PER and a career high true shooting percentage on a usage rate that is five points clear of, of his next highest in his career is uh, truly something remarkable. He gets knocked a little bit for his defense and that's totally fair um, but at the same time his role isn't to be a defensive lockdown guy there are usually guys out on the floor who can handle the bigger wings or the more you know imposing wings that that other teams throw against the Raptors Damari Carroll hasn't been great at that this year we'll get to that um, but you know Patrick Patterson's done a really nice job when, when forced to guard you know sort of tougher wing matchups Corey Joseph does a really good job when he's out there to guard you know more dangerous twos and threes uh, mostly twos I guess but you know the fact that DeRozan has guys around him who can sort of take up some of the defensive slack. It does make it easier on him. It makes his lack of defense a little more sort of palatable, I guess. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's just been a lot of fun to watch DeRozan's growth this season. And I'm, I'm very deserving. And if it weren't for, uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo taking a ridiculous leap, he might be in a conversation for a most improved player just because of what he's done, you know, maintaining and improving his efficiency while also completely blowing all of his usage numbers out of the water. Uh, from the, from past seasons is uh, is really something remarkable. So good on DeMar DeRozan. So overall, we'll give the Raptors stars an A. You know, subtract a little bit for defense there, I guess. But uh, overall, there's really nothing to complain about. Let's get to the secondary guys. And as a group, I gave the the threesome of Jonas Valanciunas, Damari Carroll, and Patrick Patterson a B minus. Um, it's not entirely, I think, the fault of some of these guys. Like Patrick Patterson, obviously, he's missed some time here. But before he got hurt, he was. Uh, you know, really, he is, I think he remains the third most important player on the Raptors. He, um, obviously his defense is so valuable. He's so versatile on defense. He opens up five, you know, five out lineups that the Raptors can go to that have been effective at times this season. Uh, he's obviously part of two of the best lineups in the entire NBA. It's the starting lineup with Patrick Patterson in there instead of, you know, power forward X. And then you have the Lowry and the bench unit. And the two common denominators for those lineups are Kyle Lowry and Patrick Patterson. Um, I guess you could knock a little bit from Patterson because his sort of driving game has maybe even regressed a little bit this season. It's kind of ugly. Uh, it's always sort of a chore to watch him when he gets the ball and sort of, you know, attacks a closeout and goes up with these clunky uh, drives to the rim that don't really have any sort of direction or aim. And that's tough, and that hasn't improved much this season. 
And, uh, you know, the three-point shot obviously sort of goes in and out sometimes, and that's, you know, to be expected. He's been a streaky sort of shooter his entire career. I don't think that's like a, a reflection on him or anything. I just think that's, you know, that's just kind of what he is. He's a 36.6%, which is very good for a guy that you want to be a sort of a stretch stretch four kind of guy. And, uh, you know, you're not going to complain with that ever. And, you know, you, you've seen over the last little while here as the Raptors have scuffled a little bit. And even, you know, in the recent wins against sort of lesser opponents, there have been issues. Obviously, the game against the Sixers, there was big problems without having Patrick Patterson. And, of course, the Raptors were shorthanded other guys in that game as well. But Patterson is incredibly important to what the Raptors want to do. He opens up so many possibilities and not having him available uh, has really sort of exposed the Raptors' lack of a you know lack of depth at the power forward spot, something that we've known is a reality for a long time anyway. But uh, yeah, Patterson is crucial, and he he gets a B plus. Maybe take a little bit off because he's missed some time. No, through no fault of his own. That's just kind of how it goes. And uh, I'm sure if he played the entire time, I'd probably boost him up a little bit more. But you know, you have to be on the on the court as well to sort of have a complete grade. And the lack of three point shooting consistency, I guess. You know, we started the season so poorly, really picked it up, and then he's kind of cooled off a little. Little bit since then, um, so I mean that that's that's where the bumping down in the rank, in the grade comes. But yeah, B plus for Patterson, Carroll and Valanciunas gave Carroll a C plus um, just because. I think he's still working his way back. I don't think it's entirely his fault that he's not there yet. I think, you know, the knee injury he had was severe, and it, it takes a lot to sort of get back from that. And I think we were starting to see that before that injury uh, where he got kneed in the head by uh, Pascal Siakam against the Sixers. Really maybe his best stretch as a Raptor where he was sort of turning in nice performance after nice performance, really sort of, sort of, sort of showing confidence in his three-point shot. Um, you know, there was a play against the Nets on Tuesday where he, uh, I think he got, he got a steal or got a rebound, came down, and uh, had a pull-up three in transition from the top of the arc. And that was just like classic Damari Carroll right there. Confident, really good in transition, um, happy to pull up for the three, you know, okay with the ball in his hands. You know, there's been issues for, with him, much like Patterson, when he gets the ball and drives, he just doesn't really know how to make a play with it. And it's always sort of an ordeal to watch. And that's something the Raptors are definitely missing. They need a third guy who can sort of make plays reliably when Lowry and DeRozan get sort of extra attention. And Carroll, I think, has it in him to do that to an extent. Uh, but it's not like the Raptors are using Patterson or Carroll to be sort of screeners for for them for uh, for the pick and roll all that often, and that's where you know they really need that third guy, the guy who's the screener who isn't getting the intention when teams throw traps. Um, I think that needs to be the guy who can move the play along and be a, a really solid playmaker. And Patterson can do that at times, but he's not often the screener because a lot of the time he shares the floor with Jonas Valanciunas, and Valanciunas is the guy who I think you know needs to be that third playmaker for the Raptors because his screens are so strong. He is a really, really good screener at this point, and when he's out there, he's the he's the primary screener for for the Raptors guards, and we've seen it time and time again this season. His passing has improved. I think mostly his passing has improved from the post, and that's been you know a definite sort of you know mark of improvement that he's had. He's been able to sort of kick out, repost, get the ball again, or just you know kick out and sort of you know initiate some swinging of the ball. That's been really positive. But when he gets the ball in these sort of you know short roll situations where he doesn't have anybody. Around Around him and it's a four-on-three situation. He's had a lot of trouble sort of moving the play along, being decisive, making a quick pass, and to you know exploit the advantage the Raptors might have. And that's something that. 
you know, he's had the issues against teams like Golden State and Cleveland, the teams that, you know, the Raptors have designs on playing once they get to the, to, to the deep parts of the playoffs where he's just been unplayable on defense. His lack of mobility really hurts. Um, he can't bring, come out to the perimeter and when he gets away from the perimeter, he's not fast enough to, or when he gets to the perimeter, he's not fast enough to recover back to the paint to, to protect the rim, which is where he, you know, when, when he's sort of, based near the rim when he doesn't have to do a whole lot in terms of you know moving and ranging around the court he can be an effective defender we've seen it and and he's had flashes where he's been really solid you know the game against Boston I think might have been his best game of the season and you know he finished that off with two great blocks both of those blocks came where he was just stationed at the rim and there to protect against uh you know against drives to the rim and that's what you need from from Valanchunas and then when you're forcing him to move around the court and, and, you know, get out of position, that's where he gets into real problems. So I think Valanchunas, while it hasn't been the breakout season that everyone hoped from him, and there are reasons for that as well. I mean, you know, the, the offense is, has been reasonably okay. Like, he's kind of dropped down in PER and things like that. He's not, you know, quite as prolific on offense as he used to be or he, or he, has, he, or he has been in the past few seasons. Um, you know, his field goal percentage is, uh, you know, slightly lower than where it's been at before. Uh, but again, at the same time, he's taken more sort of mid-range jumpers and sort of adding that to his game. And he, I think that's going to be a thing that comes along for him at some point where he can knock down 18 to 20 footers with, uh, with some ease and give some extra spacing to the offense. But, you know, there are, you know, the PER for him has come down after the last two seasons, especially last year. He was super efficient, not so much this year. Um, you know, he's one of the best, you know, most efficient pick and roll scoring big men, uh, as a role man, but he doesn't get to do that all that often. There's not really a ton of chemistry there between him and the Raptors guards. It was there early in the season. It's kind of evaporated since then. And that's the way where he's going to get his touches on offense. He's not going to get his touches, you know, through post touches 10 times a game. Those, those just aren't part of what the Raptors do on offense. The Raptors are really you know, built around the pick and roll and through Lowry and DeRozan gaining penetration and then either going to the rim or kicking out for threes. And you know that's kind of the, what the Raptors' offense is built on, not post-touches for, for Jonas Valanciunas. His skill set doesn't totally fit that, but when he's working as a role man, when he's setting hard screens and rolling towards the rim, you know he's one of the most unguardable role men in the league. He's not this super athletic dude who's going to jump up and dunk on you, but he is a huge target for, for Lowry and DeRozan to find, or even Corey Joseph, or any of the Raptors guards for that matter. Um, he's a huge target with you know big hands who has really soft hands as well, so he can catch the ball, make a, a step or two, and and make a basket or get the basket, and, and that's a really effective part of his game. He just doesn't do it all that often. The Raptors don't look for him all that often, and it's not totally his fault that he doesn't get a ton of touches per game. But at the same time, making himself more available as a role man and sort of presenting himself as a bigger target, that would go a long way towards him sort of improving his offensive uh, sort of efficiency and getting more touches because that's really the the, the path I think I see for him to get more touches. Um so overall, I think I give Valanchunas a C. Carroll, I give a C plus, and I think Carroll has a real chance to improve on that. He's going to play against the Hornets on Friday night, which is very encouraging, um, considering what it looked like was the injury when he got sort of kneed in the head against Philly on Wednesday. Uh, very encouraging that Carroll's going to play tonight. So um, uh, C plus for him, C for Valanchunas. Overall, a B minus for the important secondary guys on the Raptors, and uh, I do think there's room for improvement there. Uh, next up, we have. The complimentary pieces, the guys on the bench who aren't, you know, you know, super important, I guess, and they're not crucial to what the Raptors do. But when they do perform well, it's a huge bonus for the Raptors and really sort of makes them into a bit of an unstoppable team on offense on and, and sort of boosts their defense as well. 
So we got Terrence Ross, Corey Joseph, Lucas Noguera, Norm Powell, and Jared Sullinger. I'm going to give this group a B. Um, there's been up and downs for all of them, really. I don't think any of them have had start-to-finish great seasons. Terrence Ross, I think, has been probably the most consistent of the bunch, considering what he's done as a nice, you know, six-man gunner off the bench. He has, you know, kind of slipped up over the last little while here. He's not shooting as well in January, and, you know, he wasn't going to shoot 45 or, you know, you know, over 40% on a pretty reasonable volume over the course of the whole season. I don't think that's not who he is. He's right around 40% for his career. Um, but, you know, the, the the sort of work he's put in to adapt to the role of the six-man and, you know, knowing that sometimes when he comes in, he is the go-to option on offense. You know, I think in that Lowry and the bench unit lineup, it's, it's Lowry and Ross who are the sort of focal points of that offense because Ross is one of the only guys on the Raptors outside of Lowry and DeRozan, maybe the only guy who can create his own shot and create a good shot for himself. And he does it a lot. He's sort of added to his repertoire this year. He's got more moves he can go to. He's getting to the basket a little bit more. Um, you know, he's still at a, you know, less than a free throw attempt a game. But if you consider how he's done over the course of his season, like, oh, sorry, over the course of his career, you know, he never has really gotten to the line all that much, but he is penetrating more he's getting to the basket more he's shooting better when he does get to the free throw line which is i guess nice it's extra the odd extra point here and there um his his overall two point percentage is a lot higher he's doing a lot of what DeRozan has done where he sort of mastered that 10 to 12 foot range where he gets in has these nice little floaters uh which are you know pretty much automatic for him at this point he's shooting 53.7 percent on two point on two point shots which is really impressive for a guy who does a lot of mid-range stuff like he is such a good shooter from all corners of the court and he's really sort of flashing that more this season um just he do, he's done a really nice job in, in adapting to that six-man role that you know it maybe took him a little bit of time to sort of get used to last year he wasn't really accustomed to it um but this year he's really sort of taken off and he's been a nice surprise this year in terms of his consistency because he's done it you know, a lot. There haven't been a lot of games where Terrence Ross has been completely unusable or bad. He's been, you know, better on defense. He's jumping passing lanes. A bunch of games where he's racking up two or three or four steals. Um, and he's been exciting to watch, fun to watch. And even in the games where he's not doing anything on offense, he's, you know, some of his best defensive games have come where he hasn't really scored. You know, a lot of the, the, the four steal, three steal games have come when he hasn't really been able to contribute on offense all that much. And then the other end, he's had a bunch of games where he's really kind of carried the Raptors offense, you know, four games of 20 or more points this season. Um, the games where he's gotten hot from three, he's gotten really hot. He has a few, you know, a, you know, a bunch of three or four, three point, three pointers made in the night games where, um, he's been a real sort of linchpin for the Raptors offense, closed a lot more games this season than I think we saw all of last year. I'm not sure of the actual numbers on that, but it seems like Dwayne Casey trusts him more to be out there. Um, obviously, he was out there against the, the Kings in that game where he put up that game-tying shot uh, that eventually was waved off in the game the Raptors ended up losing. But, um, yeah, it's... Um, it's nice to see Terrence Ross isn't a, a goat anymore because he's been a goat and sort of a whipping boy for a long time. And it's uh, it's very promising to see him just kind of become comfortable in his role and comfortable in his skin. Corey Joseph has been up and down. I think the biggest thing for him this year, um, there's been two big things. On, on the positive side of things, he's shooting the three, which is nice. He's not shooting a ton of attempts, just about uh, one or one and a half attempts per game, but he's shooting at 42% right now, I think. And uh, that is definitely a positive sign because that's sort of been always the knock on him. And he makes things difficult in terms of, you know, when opposing teams are guarding the pick and roll. Going under the screen against Corey Joseph has always been a viable strategy. He's making that less of a case now, and that's good. On the other end, though, 
His defense has not been there this year. He's been really rough uh, in terms of his perimeter defense, and that's tough because the Raptors have been, you know, without Bismack Biombo this season. And Lucas Noguera, while he, well, we'll talk about him, he's not totally consistent. The Raptors have had issues, um, you know, protecting the rim at times. And Corey Joseph getting beaten off the dribble or, or in the pick and roll by his man, that's not good. He's the guy who's always been so great at fighting through screens. He's a guy who's always been able to stay in front of his man. And it's just kind of disappeared for, for big chunks of this season, and that's kind of perplexing. Um, but overall, I think Joseph's been fine. I think he gets a B minus. Ross gets a B plus. Lucas Noguera, he's at a. I gave him a B plus as well. I think compared to the expectations for him, he's definitely outperformed those. He's you know among the lead leaders in terms of block percentage. Uh, he's not a great uh, just sort of you know total floor team defender at this point. You know there are definitely issues there in terms of his defensive IQ and sort of making rotations here and there. But overall, uh, what. Lucas Noguera has done this year, I think, has really surpassed what most people thought he'd be able to provide. There were a lot of people who I don't think were comfortable with him being the backup center coming in, and no, there have been nice flashes from him. He's not a real offensive, you know, threat at this point, but when he does get the ball, it's usually as a lob, it's usually for a dunk, and that's a nice little element that the Raptors can add to the offense when he's out there. Um, it, it's, you know, he's shooting, you know, 66% from three. He's knocked down a couple threes this year, which is hilarious, but, um, Overall, it just, you know, he, he adds a nice little element to the Raptors offense that wasn't really there uh, with Bismack Biombo last season because Biombo was such a liability catching the ball and, and playing an offense. And, you know, it was a real issue when, you know, teams would really load up to stop Kyle Lowry. And, you know, Bismack Biombo was just there to, you know, maybe catch a pass, maybe not catch a pass. It was just a better, you know, mathematical strategy for teams to just try to, you know, risk giving up a dunk to Bismack Biombo and just hope that he couldn't catch it or make the bucket because, those that was like kind of a 50-50 propositions on both front 50-50 proposition on both fronts last season um what else we got here so coming up after Lucas Noguera I gave him a B plus just based on the uh you know early season expectations for him and how he's kind of outperformed those there are definitely issues still and he's out right now with the concussion so hopefully he's going to be okay uh but B plus for Lucas Noguera Norm Powell gets a B he has been you know a little interesting this year he's had nice moments where he, it seems like he kind of goes back and forth between effectiveness and sort of trying to do too much. And I think that there are clear times when that happens to him. You know, sometimes he gets put into situations where he's, you know, starting in, in place of a guy like Damari Carroll or something like that or, or Patrick Patterson being out. And he knows he's the fifth guy on the floor. He knows he's just kind of there to hit open threes and not do much else. Um, and the other times he'll go out there and, you know, maybe there's less talent on the floor around him. And he kind of looks kind of lost. He looks like he's trying to do too much with the ball in his hands. We saw this, I think, in the preseason with him. We had a rough preseason because it seemed like when he was out there, he was trying to make a little bit too much happen with the ball. He still doesn't have a lot of decisiveness when he has the ball in his hands as a playmaker. And that's definitely come to light at times this season. But when he is in that role where he's just hitting threes, playing good defense, and, you know, opening up some nice sort of multi-wing lineups for the Raptors, he's been really solid. So I give Norm a B overall. His three-point shooting has kind of you know, been a little shaky over the last little while here. He's not hitting as many open shots as he did to start the season, but he's still at about 38%. And if he levels out there, that's totally fine. Um, yeah, he's, uh, he's an interesting guy. He's probably the highest upside prospect on the Raptors right now. And he's kind of an interesting trade piece if the Raptors are really looking to pull something off. I know people don't want to trade Norman Powell, but 
if you're trying to land a star, Norman Powell is probably the most you know appealing guy on the Raptors roster to another team, and you might have to part with him along with some other stuff in order to get a, tra- a trade done at some point. Um, I'm not saying that's going to happen this season or ever, you know, for that matter, but that's something to consider. And you know, the better he plays, that's exciting. I think Norman Powell, people kind of had. Maybe, you know, too high of expectations for him coming into the year. Um, you know, they saw what he did in the playoffs last year, and I think there might have been some chatter about him. Oh, could this guy potentially be like a star-type player? I don't think that's the case per se. I think his sort of limitations in terms of playmaking might sort of keep him from that. I mean, who's to say if he's going to improve or not? He's 23 right now, so maybe this is just who he is, and that's totally fine to get a player like this who I think is very sort of Wesley Matthews-ish, where he can be like a really good fourth or fifth starter on a good team and knock down threes and play defense. He's an ultimate 3 and D wing guy, I think. And to get that guy at 46th overall for a pick that you traded Krivis Vasquez for, um, I think that is you know more than what the Raptors could have hoped for. And having him on the roster is definitely nice. He gives the Raptors a lot of flexibility with their wing combinations. You know, there are lots of different lineups they can roll out there. The lineups with him and Terrence Ross this season have been super fun and athletic and sort of fast-breaky, and that's a nice change of pace from the sort of slower-plotting DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry, Corey Joseph-led looks. So he he opens up a lot of possibilities for the Raptors. He's done a nice job when he's slotted in to play the four this year, which is cool. Um, I think overall he gets a B. Obviously, Jared Sollinger gets an incomplete. He's only played one game. Nice just signs there, which I talked about in the last podcast, but you can't give them any grade right now. So I think overall we give the complimentary pieces a B. And for the youth movement, I mean, this is tough as well. You have Pascal Siakam. I gave him a B-. minus. You know, he's compared to expectations. I think he's been a lot better than what people could have expected. At the same time, there have been some serious signs of a rookie wall lately where he just, the, the lack of defensive, you know, wits that he doesn't, that he, he doesn't have right now, um, I think that definitely is, you know, hurting the Raptors when he's out there. He obviously has weighed down the starting lineup this season. It's pretty clear that when, when you take him out and put Patrick Patterson in, the starting lineup becomes transformed. And I don't think that's by accident. Pascal Siakam doesn't have a lot of offensive utility right now. I think he could really stand from being part of the D-League uh, and getting some run with the Raptors 905 in the second half of the year now that Sullinger is back. And once Patterson and Lucas Noguera are back as well, I think he could get some uh, you know really nice work in at the D-League level to sort of hone his offensive game. I think that's where... You know, that and and sort of channeling his energy defensively, I think, are the two things he needs to work on most. And I do think there's a good player hiding in Pascal Siakam, and I think the potential, we've seen some flashes of it this season. You know, he's able to knock down the mid-range jumper at a better rate than I thought he would be. Um, and I think his defensive sort of upside is, is incredible, especially as a five. He's so athletic, he, he seems to be really sort of able to block shots from all over the place. That's exciting, and that's something I think we could see in the, co- in the in the coming seasons be a really sort of effective piece for the Raptors in you know small ball lineups for example a guy like that who has the ability to sort of switch out guard smaller guys and, and stay with them step for step who can also block shots that's a, a nice piece going forward for the Raptors and it's a nice find from Isaiah Ujiri but I think right now Pascal Siakam's sort of role within the roster and the rotation has kind of run its course for this season and I'd like to see him in the D League Jakob Pertl, I'll give him a C plus. He, uh, the one issue with him is the foul trouble. It is, a uh, it's kind of perplexing how often he gets, uh, into foul trouble really quickly. You know, the four fouls in five minutes, the five fouls in eight minutes kind of things have happened, you know, pretty routinely for him this year. I give him a C plus, but I do think Pirtle has some really high defensive potential. He just seems really smart when he's out there. It's just channeling and sort of being more disciplined and not fouling, 
that he needs to work on. But I think there are some obvious sort of intangibles with defense that uh, I think have been apparent throughout the season so far with Pirtle. And uh, I think his offensive game has some nice flash to it too. It's nice. And, uh, you know, he's got some nice silky hands, I think, a little bit. He's thrown a few nice passes here and there. I don't think he's a Bebe-level passer, per se, at this point. But I think Pirtle has some nice upside as a skilled big man who can defend and sort of, you know, he's pretty fluid on his feet as well. And if he can maintain that fluidity and not sort of bulk up too much and, uh, you know, in in the pursuit of getting stronger, sort of lose some of his speed, like we saw with Jonas Valanciunas a bit, I think Pirtle has some really nice defensive potential. Fred Van Vliet, we haven't seen a ton of. I give him a B. And then, obviously, DeLon Wright hasn't come back yet, incomplete. And Bruno Caboclo's played 23 minutes this year, incomplete as well. So I think, as a whole, you sort of give the, the youth movement a, a B, B, I guess, or B-. minus. You know, it's tough to say. They haven't been huge contributors. I think what they've done has been encouraging, for sure. I don't think anyone, uh, any of the Raptors rookies or youth guys, I mean, aside from Bruno, I suppose, if you're out on that experiment, which I don't think you should be. I think it's fine that he's there. But if you have watched Pascal Siakam and Jakob Pertl this season, I don't think there's a ton of reason to be sort of worried about their long-term futures in the NBA. I think they both flashed enough to sort of show that they can be really effective pieces down the line for the Raptors and sort of churning over the roster and having these guys on the end of the bench, as I've talked about before this year, is a really positive thing for the Raptors to, uh, to have on the roster and sort of helps you to replace guys who might price yourself off the roster down the road. Um, all good things for the Raptors in terms of the end of the bench guys. Um, Let's get to Dwayne Casey, I guess. I'd give him a B plus, A minus, something in there. Um, he's been a lot more experimental this season. Obviously, the one sort of bugaboo with him is his inability and sort of his, you know, unwillingness to alter the rotation enough and put Patrick Patterson in the starting five at long last. He did it once in that Boston game. It worked well, although Patterson didn't have a great game. And I, I'm curious to see now that Sullinger is back, if Sullinger gets that job now and Patterson goes back to his bench role once he returns. Um, I, I don't agree with it. I think Patterson should be the starter. I think that lineup is so effective and you want to get as many minutes as possible with it. But, um, you know, Casey has this sort of methodology and I think it's hard to argue with the results, I guess, with, uh, you know, the success the Raptors have had over the last couple seasons with Patterson coming off the bench primarily. But I would like to see before the playoffs when I think you're really going to want to have Patterson out there as much as possible. I'd like to see him get that starting job. And I think Sullinger can be fine next to a guy like Bebe on the second unit. Um, I, I guess it takes time to see. And the Raptors are in this you know sort of mode where they can experiment and try out things. And that's nice. And I think Casey's done a really good job of being more flexible and trying small units, which has been nice to see. He did that with Jared Sullinger in his, like, in his first like five minutes as a, as a Raptor, essentially, pairing him alongside some small guards, which was cool. Um, so yeah, Casey's done a really nice job. I think I give him a, an A minus on the season so far. Overall, the Raptors, I think if you're, you know, trying to grade what the Raptors as a team have done, it's gotta be like an A and A minus, I think. I think the defense is definitely an issue, of course, and that's something you want to see them work on, but I think it's balanced out by how absurd the offense has been. You know, sort of what Lowry and DeRozan have done individually and how that's sort of propped up the team. And I think, you know, overall, if you come, came into the season and thought the Raptors would be 28 and 14 with a really tough early season schedule with a few long road trips and a lot of games against the top teams in the conference, I think you'd be okay with them being 28 and 14 at this point. Second in the East, pretty clearly, I think the second best team in the Eastern Conference right now. 
Um, and with an easy schedule to come up, like, would anyone be shocked if the Raptors won 58, 59, maybe even flirted with 60 games? I mean, that's kind of crazy to think about right now. But, you know, the Raptors have a pretty creamy schedule coming up over the last couple months of the season here. So I don't think that's off the table by any means. I think you know, there's a lot of potential for the Raptors to go on a nice late season run. A lot like they did last year. Like, don't forget, the Raptors came into the second half of last year, I think 26-15. and 15, And then they really caught fire. I think they won 11 in a row right around this time last year. And sort of, you know, really sort of established themselves as the second best team in the East. That's something I think we could see this year as well. I don't, you know, I'm not counting, you know, another improvement in the win total out at this point. I think that's very possible for the Raptors to do that for, I think, the sixth straight year since Dwayne Casey took over, which is a real sort of testament to him and a really impressive feat if they can get it done. All right, I talked enough today. Thank you so much for listening to this extended mid-season grades episode of Locked On Raptors. You can follow me on Twitter at WoodleySean. Follow the show at Locked On Raptors. We'll be back next week. Um, sorry there were no guests this week. Uh, it just was a weird week where I couldn't line anything up. But next week, there should be some more. Uh, we have the Spurs game coming up, so hopefully I'll get someone on to talk about that. On Monday, we'll chat about the weekend that was. Uh, they play the Hornets tonight, of course. Uh, I'll tweet up my pick against the spread later in the game, once we later in the day, once we see who's playing for the Raptors and who isn't. They obviously play the Suns on Sunday as well, so we'll talk about that. Thank you so much for listening to this week's uh, episodes of Locked on Raptors, and we'll talk to you Monday. Have a fantastic weekend.